Because Jesus is one of those people that a lot of us have opinions about and thoughts about, things we like, things we're drawn to, uh, opinions of who uh, he is or who we say he is or who he says he is. And what we want to do here at Covenant is we say that we're encouraging one another to follow Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. And so we want to spend some time really looking at, as a community, who is Jesus? Not who we think he is, not what's like the two stories in the Bible we like that reinforce what we already thought before we walked in the door, but who actually is he if we're following him? And that hopefully no matter where we are in our journey or who, where, what questions we're asking, that this would be something that each of us can engage with in our own ways and grow and develop because we believe that, um, that as king, as Messiah, as savior, that we want our lives to be following him in every way, and that it's following him and in his teachings. That's where we come alive, and that's where this world comes alive, okay? So we've spent the time of Advent in Luke chapter 1, and tonight we're going to move into Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 20, and I invite you to read along and just kind of take this story in of the first Christmas. Luke writes this. That is the text. All right. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that no matter who we are or how we walk in here, what doubts, what questions, what hopes, what dreams, what opinions, that we would be open to the idea that you, the eternal God who created and redeems and sustains, is right here and might speak to us and encounter us this night. And change us forever as you have changed this world forever. We pray for this and trust in this in Christ's name. Amen. 
So this summer, I got to take a vacation with my family, with my wife and two daughters, Miriam and Hannah. We got to go on a vacation, and the particular place we went uh, was a spot where there were numerous water slides. And this was one of those spots where the water slide sort of existed on two levels. There was like the lazy river level, the like, you know, you went like three steps up and then you go down this water slide and you was so slow you were scared you were going to kind of stop along the way. And then there was like 50 stories up going 40 miles an hour down a water slide, scared to death that you were going to go over the edge, that you weren't going to make it to the end. And when you crashed down at the bottom, it was just prayers of gratitude that you were still breathing. Those were like the two options that were before us. And so when we got down there, my oldest daughter, Miriam, who is kind of a, more of a roller coaster, she had been to a number of water parks, had seen these before, Miriam's opinion was we need to skip the slow ones and just go up to the tallest one and go down. Now, my younger daughter, Hannah, who is a very courageous young lady herself, but had had less experience in water parks, you could see that moment where there was both excitement and that like pause at the like 400-foot drop that we were looking at going down. And so she just had that check for a second. And my wife then looked at me and said, what if you go with her on it, okay? You had options on these slides. You had to go down on a tube. You could go on a one tube, like a solo ride, or there were two tubes, uh, two people for a tube, and you go down that way. And she was suggesting we go. Now, that's all okay. Every family that I know, every marriage works this way, is that there are these unwritten laws of what is your domain and what is my domain, right? If the girls need help with their math homework, they go to Beth. They don't come to me with that. They've learned that. If they want to go hurtling at 40 miles an hour down a water slide, I'm the one that goes and does that with them. And it works very, very well. The problem with this ride was that when you got to the bottom of the ride, and I love these kinds of rides, uh, you splash down, and you don't just splash down in a pool, and then you're just kind of there and you stop, but that you splash down in a pool, and then you travel through this glass circular tube for about 100 yards through a gigantic pool of sharks. And then you get out at the end. Now, I do not know if you know this about me, but I am a very courageous person. I am very tough. I'm not scared of a lot of things, but whatever I am scared of on my top 10 list, sharks would be at the very, very top of that list. It's not that I want them eradicated from the face of the earth, I just don't want to be within about half a mile of one, okay? I don't like them. And the girls knew this, and when we showed up, they like, I'd say, like, let's go to the glass and let's look at the sharks, and we can see them swimming around. I'm like, I don't want to go look at the sharks. And they're like, no, let's go see it, because you're going to see that it's okay and everything. And, like, and you take a glance at them, and I just don't like them. I don't, the, the teeth, obviously, but like the eyes, and like they just look soulless, and I'm like, I just don't want to go near them, right? But there's this moment where we're standing on this, like, at this water park, and, you know, it's, we're there for a few days, and we need to get Hannah and Miriam both up there. So I, because I'm courageous, and my courage overcame my fear, I said, absolutely, I'll do this. But to get beyond up to the platform, you had to walk by the shark tank. You see them, and we grab our tube, and we're going up. And as we're going up, Hannah and I are then kind of mutually reassuring each other. She's kind of going up higher and higher and higher going, we're going to be okay, right? We're going to be okay. And I'm like, we're totally going to be okay. But I kept looking over the edge. She goes, Daddy, the sharks are okay. I'm like, I'm, of course they're going to be fine. She goes, lots of people, I mean, she was great. Lots of people go down the ride. The sharks never get through. I'm like, yeah, but could they? <laughs> That's the question. Like, could they actually do it? 
We got to the top, we got on the tube, and the guy launched us off, and it worked exactly how I thought. Hannah loved it from the moment. That was the only time she needed two people on the ride. After that, she was like, I can go solo, I'm doing this thing. She was like whooping and yelling, and we had this great time, and we were going fast, and we caught air a couple of times, and then we splashed down in the pool, and then we start going through the glass tube. And I closed my eyes. And at that point, my daughter was like tapping my leg going, it's okay, Daddy. It's okay. I'm with you. We're okay. We're okay, Daddy. I'm right here with you. It's all right. And I opened my eyes at one point, and one of them was looking at me in a nasty way. And I closed it, and then we got through, and we got out at the end. There was something beautiful about having my youngest daughter there with me saying, it's okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. And it was something that I think was helpful for her as we got up to the top of me being there and my wife saying, why don't you go with her? Now, there's something illogical about the whole thing, of the power of being with someone as a parent, because if something had gone wrong while we're going down the ride, it's not like I had the power to do anything about it. When you're hurtling down a water slide at 40 miles an hour, you, there's no pause button, right? Me being there, in essence, did not necessarily make her any more safe, but it was just the sense of being with someone. Us going through the sharks, having Hannah there did not make me more safe, but I know it helped me a lot just to have her there. And not just because if the sharks had gotten in, I had someone to hold out as a sacrifice in front, <laughs> but it actually did help me to have her with me as we went through. There's a lot of power in that preposition, isn't there? With. To be with somebody. Might be the greatest Christmas gift that you can give or receive is to be with a person. It taps into something that is very basic to our human nature, that preposition with. It's important as we think about that today because when we, as people of faith, think about God, there are a lot of terms that we can use for God that are appropriate. Yahweh, Jehovah, I am. These are terms that refer to God, our creator. And as Christians, there are multiple terms that we can use for Jesus. Redeemer, Savior, Messiah, all of which are appropriate too. But there's one particular term that we use during Advent and especially at Christmas when we refer to Jesus, and that term is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We've been singing about that in Advent. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. This word Emmanuel literally translates into God with us. God with us. It's this idea and that preposition is there again that something is tapping in to the most base and important parts of us that God is looking at us tonight and if nothing else in Christmas and in the person of Jesus saying, I am with you. And everything is different because of that. How important is this preposition in each of our lives? With to be with one another. Like many of you, if I look back on this year in my life, uh, and this happens every year, right? There's great things that happen, and I bet if you think back on this year in your life, you've had highs and you've had lows. You've had things that are wonderful, and you've had things that have been hard or questioning. If anything, this year has taught me and reminded me of the power of this preposition, the power of this word, with. If you go here to Covenant, you will know that uh, this year I lost both my father and my grandfather, my father's father, this year. I am uh, from the state of Georgia, have been there for a few years. Don't worry, Longhorn fans, I'm not a Bulldog fan. I'm pulling for you guys in the Sugar Bowl, too, and I'm with you in that. But I am from the, the state of Georgia and go back generations there. I, as a good Southern boy, my full name is Thomas Richard Daniel IV. And we've gone from three of us to one of us in the family this year. 
But one of the things that I was reminded of this year is the power of and the importance of people being with you. When we had the service for my dad, we walked in as a family together and we sat together and the service was kind of a blur. But one of the most beautiful moments of my life was when we as a family got up to leave the church that day. And as we walked out, there were faces and people that were there who were with us in that moment. My, one of my elementary school teachers came. There were people that I had not seen in decades who had known my dad and showed up to be there. But one of the most touching things for me was that there were people from almost every chapter of my life and ministry who came and showed up at the church that day just to be with me and to be with our family in that time. Not one of them could say anything to make the day better. Not one of them could say anything that all of a sudden just kind of made everything all right. But there was a power and there was an importance to those people being there and being with you. Something about being with somebody, it gives validity to their story. It gives validity to their journey. It's that they are looking at you saying that whatever you are walking through right now, it is significant and it is meaningful. And we are with you in that. That's why we show up at those kind of events. That's why it's important we show up at celebrations like weddings and baptisms and uh, all kinds of things like that, graduations. Not that you can like say something that makes the day even better, but just to be with the person, to celebrate with them is so critical. It's so basic to the human experience to find joy. If you think about Christmas this year and the holidays, my guess is some of the great joys that we are experiencing and will experience are the people that we get to be with. This Christmas time. I know families in this church that have infant children. Like, like this is their first Christmas. These children are like three and four months old. Or, or infant grandchildren. They're three or four months old. This is their first Christmas with their babies. Those babies can, can on the surface of it add nothing to Christmas. They can't sing a Christmas carol. They're going to keep you up at night. They can't open any presents. They're not giving any presents. You know, like, like what? But these families are so excited because like we just get to be with them. This Christmas, it, it taps into this base part of what is so wonderful about life, being with one another. And for many of us, the, the pain we may experience tonight, or the loss, or the loneliness, comes from the lack of being with. Maybe like me, you lost someone dear to you this year, and this is your first Christmas without them. Maybe divorce is a part of your family's story and that the holidays are a time when you have to choose who you are with and who you are not with and it never really feels right. Maybe there is an argument or an estrangement in your family and the people that you used to be with over the holidays, you're not able to be with in the best way anymore and so you're celebrating this differently. Those places, that longing, that pain, that loneliness, it comes down again to this idea, this very basic idea, this preposition of whom we are with. It's such a powerful idea. And therefore we need to stop and realize the significance this Christmas Eve of what it means when God says to us in Jesus that I am with you. It means that no matter what else is going on in your life or no matter what is going on in our world as we gather here for Christmas Eve services, that what it is saying is that God looks at this world and looks at our life and looks at every one of us and says, you are valued. 
Your story is significant. Your life has significance. God has entered into this world to be with us. No matter what is going on in your life, it is so critical that you hear tonight that in Christmas you have to embrace and celebrate the idea that we are more loved than we can possibly imagine. And God hasn't just said it, but he's demonstrated it in the giving of his son who is now with us, Emmanuel. The power of that little word is the basis of what we celebrate as Christians. But you know, there's a flip side to that coin. If on the one hand what we say is that God is with us, Emmanuel, and the great news and the celebration that that is, there's also a flip side to that. And the flip side is this, is that as God is with us, we are also with God. That might sound like a a little nuance that's not that important, but I invite you to think about it for a second. If God is with us, then we are now also all with God. God hasn't just come to join into our story and our journey and to be with us in that, but we are joining into God's story. We are with God in this journey that God is doing in the story that God is writing in this world. We are yoked together now. We are linked. We are one in essence. That as God is with us, we are now with God. And as Christians, that is what we gather in church and that is what faith is ultimately all about is to figure out what that with God life is like. Because being a Christian and being a person of faith is not about saying that that means that no hard things come to us or no difficult things come to us. Jesus wasn't spared those things. Jesus, as he went on his journey, and if we are with him, he encountered uh, hurting people and he mourned for people and he lost people that he loved and he encountered betrayal and he encountered all the different kinds of things that you and I do. But what it means is that while we're not spared from those things, because we are with God, then we can encounter those hard places with God, and God takes those hard places and transforms them. Or as one of the songs we sing in here says, he makes beautiful things out of dust. That's the business of Jesus, making beautiful things out of dust, out of pain, out of loss. It's not just that God is with us, but we are with God. Think about how Jesus did this in his life. Think about the story we just read. I mean, for you germaphobes that are out there, that story, we do, that is one of the most unsanitary births in human history we just read about, right? I mean, I know it's like the cattle are lowing and the poor baby wakes. It wasn't like that at all. You've got like a stinky, smelly stable You've got animals wandering around. You've got two unwed teenagers that are there. And the only help Mary can get is that Joseph is there who has no idea what he's doing. And now, and he's the only one. Mary's mother's not there. The other women in the village who she would have counted on to be there for the verse. None of them are there. They're there together. They're probably frightened out of their minds. And then shepherds start showing up to add to the chaos and to bring more animals. Because that's what you want two hours after you've gone more. (laughs) is more animals and more people that you don't know just showing up, Right? It said in those verses, Mary ponders these things. I'd love to know some of what Mary was pondering that night, right? <laughs> and yet this kind of strange, difficult 
unsanitary story is one that we celebrate because it's not defined by those things, but it's become the invasion of love into this world, of God with us, of Emmanuel. And so 2,000 years later, we're celebrating it because Jesus has taken that scene and transformed it and turned it into something beautiful. He does that with the loss that he encounters in his life. He does that with people who are sick or hurting or lost or lonely. And he does it in his death as well. The with God life isn't spared from that. But we see that even in his death on a cross, that we wear crosses around our neck. We have them in our home because they have been transformed into symbols of hope and love and life and resurrection. It is not just that God is with us, as beautiful as that is, but you and I are now on a journey linked together with God. And that power and that love is a part of our story as well. So tonight, we proclaim that, which is bigger than just kind of sentimental feelings. We proclaim the truth that because we are with God, linked together to Jesus, that we now live in a world that no matter how much hatred or division or injustice that we see, that love is more powerful than, de- than hatred. We see that in a world where death will be something that we experience and our loved ones will experience, that life springs forward and overcomes death. And that no matter what we see on the news reports that are around us, that we await a day when justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. And we await that with hope because God is with us and we are now with him. So in just a few minutes, friends, we are going to have the opportunity to participate in one of the most sacred moments of the year, where we will take our candles without dropping hot wax on one another. We will take our candles, and we will sing Silent Night, and we will hold them aloft, and there will be all kinds of feelings and memories, and all of those things are good. But tonight, as you hold that candle there, I invite you to see it as a declaration as well. That in this broken world and in our broken lives, that the light has come into the darkness. And the darkness will never, ever, ever overcome it. Hallelujah. And amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask this day that this gospel, this good news, this light of the world would flow into us and around us and through us. That you would light up our lives and light up this world through us. May the hope and the truth of this season be with us all. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.